A Journal of the Plague Year by Daniel Defoe, Episode 5 This shutting up of houses was at first counted a very cruel and unchristian method, and the poor people so confined made bitter lamentations. Complaints of the severity of it were also daily brought to my Lord Mayor, of houses causelessly and some maliciously shut up. I cannot say, but upon inquiry, many that complained so loudly were found in a condition to be continued, and others again, inspection being made upon the sick person, and the sickness not appearing infectious, or if, uncertain, yet, on his being content to be carried to the pest-house, were released. It is true that the locking up the doors of people's houses, and setting a watchman there night and day to prevent their stirring out or any coming to them, when perhaps the sound people in the family might have escaped if they had been removed from the sick, looked very hard and cruel, and many people perished in these miserable confinements, which, tis reasonable to believe, would not have been distempered if they had had liberty, though the plague was in the house, at which the people were very clamorous and uneasy at first, and several violences were committed, and injuries offered to the men who were set to watch the houses so shut up. Also, several people broke out by force in many places, as I shall observe by and by, but it was a public good that justified the private mischief, and there was no obtaining the least mitigation by any application of magistrates or government at that time at least, not that I heard of. This put the people upon all manner of stratagem in order, if possible, to get out, and it would fill a little volume to set down the arts used by the people of such houses to shut the eyes of the watchmen who were employed to deceive them and to escape or break out from them, in which frequent scuffles and some mischief happened, of which by itself. As I went along Houndsditch one morning, about eight o'clock, there was a great noise, it is true, indeed, there was not much crowd, because people were not very free to gather together, or to stay long together when they were there, nor did I stay long there. But the outcry was loud enough to prompt my curiosity, and I called to one that looked out a window and asked what was the matter. A watchman, it seems, had been employed to keep his post at the door of a house which was infected, or said to be infected, and was shut up. He had been there all night for two nights together, as he told his story, and the day watchman had been there one day, and was now come to relieve him. All this while no noise had been heard in the house, no light had been seen, they called for nothing, sent him of no errands, which used to be the chief business of the watchman. Neither had they given him any disturbance, as he said, from the Monday afternoon when he heard great crying and screaming in the house, which, as he supposed, was occasioned by some of the family dying just at that time. It seems the night before the dead cart, as it was called, had been stopped there, and a servant-maid had been brought down to the door dead, and the barriers, or bearers as they were called, put her into the cart, wrapped only in a green rug, and carried her away. The watchman had knocked at the door, it seems, when he heard that noise and crying as above, and nobody answered a great while, but at last one looked out and said with an angry quick tone, and yet a kind of crying voice, or a voice of one that was crying, What do you want that you make such a knocking? He answered, I'm the watchman. How do you do? What is the matter? The person answered, What is that to you? Stop the dead cart. This, it seems, was about one o'clock. Soon after, as the fellow said, he stopped the dead cart, and then knocked again, but nobody answered. He continued knocking, and the bellman called out several times, "'Bring out your dead!' But nobody answered, till the man that drove the cart, being called to other houses, would stay no longer, and drove away. The watchman knew not what to make of all this, so he let them alone till the morning man, or day watchman, as they called him, came to relieve him, giving him an account of the particulars. They knocked at the door a great while, but nobody answered and they observed that the window or casement at which the person had looked out who had answered before continued open, being up two pair of stairs. 
Upon this, the two men, to satisfy their curiosity, got a long ladder, and one of them went up to the window and looked into the room where he saw a woman lying dead upon the floor in a dismal manner, having no clothes on her but her shift. But though he called aloud, and putting in his long staff knocked hard on the floor, yet nobody stirred or answered, neither could he hear any noise in the house. He came down again upon this and acquainted his fellow, who went up also, and finding it just so, they resolved to acquaint either the Lord Mayor or some other magistrate of it, but did not offer to go in at the window. The magistrate, it seems, upon the information of the two men, ordered the house to be broken open, a constable and other persons being appointed to be present that nothing might be plundered, and accordingly it was so done. When nobody was found in the house but that young woman, who having been infected and past recovery, the rest had left her to die by herself, and were every one gone, having found some way to delude the watchman, and get open the door, or get out at some back door, or over the tops of the houses, so that he knew nothing of it. And as to those cries and shrieks which he heard, it was supposed they were the passionate cries of the family at the bitter parting, which, to be sure, it was to them all, this being the sister to the mistress of the family." The man of the house, his wife, several children and servants, being all gone and fled, whether sick or sound, that I could never learn, nor indeed did I make much inquiry after it. Many such escapes were made out of infected houses, as, particularly, when the watchman was sent of some errand, for it was his business to go of any errand that the family sent him of, that is to say, for necessaries, such as food and physic, to fetch physicians if they would come, or surgeons, or nurses, or to order the dead cart and the like. But with this condition, too, that when he went, he was to lock up the outer door of the house and take the key away with him. To evade this and cheat the watchman, people got two or three keys made to their locks, or they found ways to unscrew the locks, such as were screwed on, and so take off the lock, being in the inside of the house, and while they sent away the watchman to the market, to the bakehouse, or for one trifle or another, open the door and go out as often as they pleased. But this being found out, the officers afterwards had orders to padlock up the doors on the outside and place bolts on them as they thought fit. At another house, as I was informed, in the street next within Allgate, a whole family was shut up and locked in because the maidservant was taken sick. The master of the house had complained by his friends to the next alderman and to the Lord Mayor, and had consented to have the maid carried to the pest house, but was refused, so the door was marked with a red cross, a padlock on the outside as above, and a watchman set to keep the door according to public order. After the master of the house found there was no remedy, but that he, his wife, and his children were to be locked up with his poor distempered servant, he called to the watchman, and told him he must go then and fetch a nurse for them to attend this poor girl, for that it would be certain death to them all to oblige them to nurse her, and told him plainly that if he would not do this, the maid must perish either of the distemper or be starved for want of food, for he was resolved none of his family should go near her, and she lay in the garret four-story high where she could not cry out or call to anybody for help. The watchman consented to that, and went and fetched a nurse as he was appointed, and brought her to them the same evening. During this interval, the master of the house took his opportunity to break a large hole through his shop into a bulk or stall, where formerly a cobbler had sat, before or under his shop window. But the tenant, as may be supposed, at such a dismal time as that, was dead or removed, and so he had the key in his own keeping. Having made his way into this stall, which he could not have done if the man had been at the door, the noise he was obliged to make being such as would have alarmed the watchman, I say, having made his way into this stall, he sat still till the watchman returned with the nurse, and all the next day also. But the night following, having contrived to send the watchman of another trifling errand, which, as I take it, was to an apothecary's for a plaster for the maid, which it was to stay for the making up, or some other such errand that might secure his staying some time, 
and that time he conveyed himself and all his family out of the house and left the nurse and the watchman to bury the poor wench, that is, throw her into the cart, and take care of the house. I could give a great many such stories as these, diverting enough, which in the long course of that dismal year I met with, that is, heard of, and which are very certain to be true, or very near the truth, that is to say, true in the general, for no man could at such a time learn all the particulars. There was likewise violence used with the watchman, as was reported in abundance of places, and I believe that from the beginning of the visitation to the end there was not less than eighteen or twenty of them killed or so wounded as to be taken up for dead, which was supposed to be done by the people in the infected houses which were shut up, and where they attempted to come out, and were opposed." Nor indeed could less be expected, for here were just so many prisons in the town as there were houses shut up, and as the people shut up or imprisoned so were guilty of no crime, only shut up because miserable, it was really the more intolerable to them. It had also this difference, that every prison, as we may call it, had but one jailer, and as he had the whole house to guard, and that many houses were so situated as that they had several ways out, some more, some less, and some into several streets, it was impossible for one man so to guard all the passages as to prevent the escape of people made desperate by the fright of their circumstances, by the resentment of their usage, or by the raging of the distemper itself, so that they would talk to the watchman on one side of the house while the family made their escape at another. For example, in Coleman Street there are abundance of alleys, as appears still. A house was shut up in that they call White's Alley, and this house had a back window, not a door into a court, which had a passage into Bell Alley, and a watchman was set by the constable at the door of this house, and there he stood, or his comrade, night and day, while the family went all the way in the evening, out at that window, into the court, and left the poor fellows warding and watching for near a fortnight. Not far from the same place, they blowed up a watchman with gunpowder, and burnt the poor fellow dreadfully, and while he made hideous cries and nobody would venture to come near to help him, the whole family that were able to stir got out at the windows one story high, two that were left sick calling out for help, Care was taken to give them nurses to look after them, but the persons fled were never found, till after the plague was abated they returned, but as nothing could be proved, so nothing could be done to them. It is to be considered, too, that as these were prisons without bars and bolts, which our common prisons are furnished with, so the people let themselves down out of their windows, even in the face of the watchman, bringing swords or pistols in their hands, and threatening the poor wretch to shoot him if he stirred or called for help. In other cases, some had gardens and walls or pales between them and their neighbors, or yards and back houses, and these, by friendship and entreaties, would get leave to go over those walls or pales, and so go out at their neighbors' doors, or, by giving money to their servants, get them to let them through in the night, so that, in short, the shutting up of houses was in no wise to be depended upon. Neither did it answer the end at all, serving more to make the people desperate, and drive them to such extremities as that they would break out at all adventures." And that which was still worse, those that did thus break out spread the infection farther by their wandering about with the distemper upon them in their desperate circumstances than they would otherwise have done. For whoever considers all the particulars in such cases must acknowledge, and we cannot doubt but the severity of those confinements made many people desperate, and made them run out of their houses at all hazards, and with the plague visibly upon them, not knowing either whither to go or what to do, or indeed what they did." and many that did so were driven to dreadful exigencies and extremities, and perished in the streets or fields for mere want, or dropped down by the raging violence of the fever upon them. Others wandered into the country and went forward any way as their desperation guided them, not knowing whither they went or would go, till faint and tired and not getting any relief, 
the houses and villages on the road refusing to admit them to lodge, whether infected or no, they've perished by the roadside, or gotten into barns and died there, none daring to come to them or relieve them, though perhaps not infected, for nobody would believe them. On the other hand, when the plague at first seized a family, that is to say, when any one body of the family had gone out and unwarily or otherwise catched the distemper and brought it home, it was certainly known by the family before it was known to the officers, who, as you will see by the order, were appointed to examine into the circumstances of all sick persons when they heard of their being sick. In this interval, between their being taken sick and the examiner's coming, the master of the house had leisure and liberty to remove himself or all his family if he knew whether to go, and many did so. But the great disaster was that many did thus after they were really infected themselves, and so carried the disease into the houses of those who were so hospitable as to receive them, which it must be confessed was very cruel and ungrateful. And this was in part the reason of the general notion, or scandal rather, which went about of the temper of people infected, namely, that they did not take the least care or make any scruple of infecting others, though I cannot say, but there might be some truth in it too, but not so general as was reported. What natural reason could be given for so wicked a thing at a time when they might conclude themselves just going to appear at the bar of divine justice, I know not. I am very well satisfied that it cannot be reconciled to religion and principle any more than it can be to generosity and humanity, but I may speak of that again. I am speaking now of people made desperate by the apprehensions of their being shut up and their breaking out by stratagem or force, either before or after they were shut up, whose misery was not lessened when they were out, but sadly increased. On the other hand, many that thus got away had retreats to go to, and other houses where they locked themselves up and kept hid till the plague was over, and many families foreseeing the approach of the distemper laid up stores of provisions sufficient for their whole families and shut themselves up, and that so entirely that they were neither seen or heard of till the infection was quite ceased, and then came abroad sound and well. I might recollect several such as these, and give you the particular of their management, for doubtless it was the most effectual secure step that could be taken for such whose circumstance would not admit them to remove, or who had not retreats abroad proper for the case. For in being thus shut up, they were as if they had been a hundred miles off. Nor do I remember that any one of those families miscarried. Among these, several Dutch merchants were particularly remarkable, who kept their houses like little garrisons besieged, suffering none to go in or out or come near them, particularly one in a court in Throckmorton Street, whose house looked into Draper's Garden. But I come back to the case of families infected and shut up by the magistrates. The misery of those families is not to be expressed, and it was generally in such houses that we heard the most dismal shrieks and outcries of the poor people, terrified and even frighted to death by the sight of the condition of their dearest relations and by the terror of being imprisoned as they were. I remember, and while I am writing the story I think I hear the very sound of it, a certain lady had an only daughter, a young maiden about nineteen years old, and who was possessed of a very considerable fortune. There were only lodgers in the house where they were. The young woman, her mother, and the maid had been abroad on some occasion, I do not remember what, for the house was not shut up. But about two hours after they came home, the young lady complained she was not well. In a quarter of an hour more, she vomited and had a violent pain in her head. Pray God, says her mother, in a terrible fright, my child has not the distemper. The pain in her head increasing, her mother ordered the bed to be warmed and resolved to put her to bed and prepared to give her things to sweat, which was the ordinary remedy to be taken when the first apprehensions of the distemper began. While the bed was airing, the mother undressed the young woman, and just as she was laid down in the bed, she looking upon her body with a candle, 
immediately discovered the fatal tokens on the inside of her thighs. Her mother, not being able to contain herself, threw down her candle and shrieked out in such a frightful manner that it was enough to place horror upon the stoutest heart in the world. Nor was it one scream or one cry, but the fright, having seized her spirits, she fainted first, then recovered, then ran all over the house, up the stairs and down the stairs, like one distracted, and indeed really was distracted, and continued screeching and crying out for several hours, void of all sense, or at least government of her senses, and, as I was told, never came thoroughly to herself again. As to the young maiden, she was a dead corpse from that moment, for the gangrene which occasions the spots had spread her whole body, and she died in less than two hours. But still the mother continued crying out, not knowing anything more of her child, several hours after she was dead. It is so long ago that I am not certain, but I think the mother never recovered, but died in two or three weeks after. This was an extraordinary case, and I am therefore the more particular in it, because I came so much to the knowledge of it, but there were innumerable such-like cases, and it was seldom that the weekly bill came in, but there were two or three put in frighted, that is, that may well be called frighted to death. But besides those who were so frighted to die upon the spot, there were great numbers frighted to other extremes, some frighted out of their senses, some out of their memory, and some out of their understanding. But I return to the shutting up of houses. As several people, I say, got out of their houses by stratagem after they were shut up, So others got out by bribing the watchmen and giving them money to let them go privately out in the night. I must confess, I thought it at that time the most innocent corruption or bribery that any man could be guilty of, and therefore could not but pity the poor men and think it was hard when three of those watchmen were publicly whipped through the streets for suffering people to go out of houses shut up. But notwithstanding that severity, money prevailed with the poor men, and many families found means to make sallies out and escape that way after they had been shut up but these were generally such as had some places to retreat to, and though there was no easy passing the roads anywhither after the first of August, yet there were many ways of retreat, and particularly, as I hinted, some got tents and set them up in the fields, carrying beds or straw to lie on and provisions to eat, and so lived in them as hermits in a cell, for nobody would venture to come near them. And several stories were told of such, some comical, some tragical, some who lived like wandering pilgrims in the deserts and escaped by making themselves exiles in such a manner as is scarce to be credited, and who yet enjoyed more liberty than was to be expected in such cases. I have by me a story of two brothers and their kinsmen, who being single men, but that had stayed in the city too long to get away, and indeed not knowing where to go to have any retreat, nor having wherewithal to travel far, took a course for their own preservation, which, though in itself at first desperate, yet was so natural that it may be wondered that no more did so at that time. They were but men of mean condition, and yet not so very poor as that they could not furnish themselves with some little conveniencies such as might serve to keep life and soul together, and finding the distemper increasing in a terrible manner, they resolved to shift as well as they could and to be gone." One of them had been a soldier in the late wars, and before that in the low countries, and having been bred to no particular employment but his arms, and besides being wounded and not able to work very hard, had for some time been employed at a baker's of sea biscuit in Wapping. The brother of this man was a seaman too, but somehow or other had been hurt of one leg, that he could not go to sea, but had worked for his living at a sailmaker's in Wapping or thereabouts, and being a good husband had laid up some money and was the richest of the three. The third man was a joiner or carpenter by trade, a handy fellow, and he had no wealth but his box or basket of tools, with the help of which he could at any time get his living, such a time as this accepted wherever he went, and he lived near Shadwell. 
They all lived in Stepney Parish, which, as I have said, being the last that was infected, or at least violently, they stayed there till they evidently saw the plague was abating at the west part of the town and coming towards the east where they lived. The story of those three men, if the reader will be content to have me give it in their own persons, without taking upon me to either vouch the particulars or answer for any mistakes, I shall give as distinctly as I can, believing the history will be a very good pattern for any poor man to follow, in case the like public desolation should happen here. And if there may be no such occasion, which God of his infinite mercy grant us, still the story may have its uses so many ways as that it will, I hope, never be said that the relating has been unprofitable. I say all this previous to the history, having yet, for the present, much more to say before I quit my own part.